recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. to be with you and and to share with you. And I want to talk this morning about faith under fire, and in particular to draw from the story of two kings in the Old Testament. They're two kings who were active and who were, were, were ruling during the time of the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah had a lot to say to these two kings. And I want us to learn from their story, from their journey uh, about faith. The first king that we'll talk about is King Ahaz, and he actually demonstrated a lack of faith. And his son Hezekiah, who continued after him, is one who demonstrates a a great faith and a trust in God, and yet it wasn't without its challenges. And so we're going to talk about faith under fire, how how to stay firm in our faith during challenging times. And there are three observations that I want to draw out as we talk through and and we hear the story of these two kings. The first is that faith is trusting in God. Trusting in God, faith in God, requires both a knowledge in our mind, so we have to understand it cognitively, like we have to know uh, that God is faithful, that God is trustworthy, but it's also a revelation in our hearts as well. So we need both, that we know, that we know, that we know, that and we know in the depths of our soul that we can trust God. What we'll see is that Ahaz refuses to trust God, and so he rejects God's salvation, and he suffers the implications of that lack of trust, and we're going to talk about that as well. But secondly, not only is faith trusting in God, faith is always connected to God's mission. It's connected to God's purposes. And that's one of the the issues that Ahaz had that we'll we'll discover as we talk through his story. Because faith in God uh, is not to fulfill our own desires, our own purposes, our selfish ambition, but it's to do with God's purposes. It's aligning our desires with God's desires. As we sang in that, that beautiful worship led by Dash, it's about casting our crown before God. And so it's not about what, what you know, our intentions are. It's not about us getting the Mercedes or getting the crown ourselves, but actually uh, how we, in a sense, offer our very lives to God to be his servants. And thirdly, not only is faith trusting in God, and not only is faith connected to God's purposes, but faith is applied. It has to be lived out. We can, we can read every book on faith, but until it's lived, until we put it into practice in our everyday lives, then we haven't, it's just theory. It's faith is actioned in our everyday lives and also tested in difficult times. But what we'll see is that even waiting on God, even in a sense, trusting and and, and waiting in God for God to act is actually an active faith. And that's what Isaiah calls Ahaz and Hezekiah to do. So you might not have heard of Ahaz and Hezekiah as characters or people within within the Bible, but we see that uh, if we think about the bigger story of the Old Testament, we see that we have creation and then God calls a a specific man, Abraham, uh, to leave his country, uh, which is sort of later with 
associated with Babylon, uh, leave his country and to go to a, a land that God would show him. And God takes him to the, the area of Israel. And God promises him a son and God promises him that uh, his, his people will, will follow him. And that's what happens. We see that the, the children, Abraham has children, um, a son, they grow, they multiply. But during a time of threat and famine, uh, they go down to Egypt. And it's in Egypt there that they become enslaved. And we know that the story of Moses, Moses leads the people out in the Exodus and they return to that promised land where they establish a new kingdom led by David. And not long after David, though, we see that the kingdom splits into north and south. Sometimes the, the, in, in the north, they, they sort of tend to follow God a little bit, but turn away. And again and again, they turn away from God and, and uh, they worship other other gods and they practice idolatry which is which is worshiping worshiping other gods of the area and in, and that's that nation is, uh, is called Israel uh, sometimes referred to as the northern kingdom or Ephraim but the southern kingdom uh, where the 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 son who is the lineage of David so David's son rules in Jerusalem which is the capital of Judah capital of the southern kingdom and we see that the king there uh, often follows God, but not always. And so that's sort of a bit of a background as we come to these two kings of Ahaz and then Hezekiah. And as I mentioned that they were uh, active during the time, they were ruling during the time of Isaiah the prophet. And we're going to look at what Isaiah says to these kings in times of challenge. Because what's occurring at this time, and it's a bit of a history lesson, so I hope you don't mind uh, a bit of a background to, to these stories, but uh, Ahaz was a king in Judah. His, his palace was in Jerusalem, and that's also where the temple was as well. And the northern kingdom above them was ruled by a, a guy called Pekah. But what was happening at this time is that Assyria, which is modern-day Iraq, uh, began to expand westward. Uh, and so they began to expand and encroach on the territories of these nations, uh, Israel, Judah in the south, uh, Syria to the north. And they were a huge threat because the Assyrian army was, they had been growing, they had been training, they had a lot of resources, they were very sophisticated, they were also very cruel. And they, they began to expand and these smaller nations, including Judah, began to get scared that Assyria was going to take them over. And so what happened is that the two northern neighbours to Judah, so Ahaz is in Jerusalem in Judah, his northern neighbours, the Israelites and the Syrians, decided to form a coalition. They Normally they were fighting each other, but now there's a bigger threat on the horizon. And so Assyria are at work uh, and are beginning to expand and encroach on their land. And so they begin to, they join together and they want Judah to join with them. In fact, they don't want Judah to join them. They demand Judah joins them. But Ahaz rightly refuses to join this coalition because he sees that it's just, it's not going to work. And so instead, he refuses to join them. And what happened is that these two smaller nations, uh, Israel and Syria, marched down to Jerusalem and they besieged Jerusalem. And they say to Ahaz, we are going to take over your land. We are going to defeat you and we're going to put in your place another king who we choose. 
So Ahaz is of the lineage of David. You know, he's had this wonderful promise that uh, God will protect him and God will be with him. And now these two neighbors are threatening to to not only take over his kingdom, but to kill him and to put someone else on the throne. Now you can imagine Ahaz is pretty rattled by this. He's not only got you know this big threat of Assyria in the background, but he's got his neighbors who are threatening him, his neighbors that are telling him that they are going to destroy him. And so what does he do? So let's have a look at Isaiah chapter seven. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you might want to open it up to Isaiah chapter seven. And I'm going to read from verses one to nine. It says, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, who was king of Judah, uh, king Rezan of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel. So Aram is Syria. So that the kings of Syria and, and Israel marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David, so this is Judah, the Judeans, the house of David was told, Aram, Syria, has allied itself with Israel, Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son Shiajashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the laundry field, and say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezan and Aram and, and, and the son of Romalia. Aram, Ephraim, and Romalia's son have plotted your ruin and saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it amongst ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not happen. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus and the head of Damascus is only risen. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So Ahaz is shaken by this. It describes it as like the, the wind in the trees shaking. That's exactly how Ahaz felt. And I'm sure there's many times we've experienced situations where we've felt like we've been shaken like the wind in the trees as well. And so Ahaz is rattled, he's anxious, he's actually, we see that he uh, goes up to the, the area, the aqueduct, he's checking the water supply, because he, he knows that they're going to be besieged, and so he's doing some practical things, but he's there alone, he's isolated, he's checking the water supply, and it's at that moment that God sends Isaiah with his son to bring a message of hope to Ahaz. And we see that Isaiah is instructed to take his son. Now, it might seem a bit strange that Isaiah is taking his son, but there's several reasons why I think it's significant. The first is that the, the, the son represents the future. It's almost a message to say to Ahaz, be careful how you choose. Be careful what you do, because if you make the wrong choice, many children in Judah will suffer. 
But we also see that it's quite significant that the sun is there because the sun actually is in a sense learning about faith from his father, Isaiah. So Isaiah gives this message of standing firm in your faith and his son is hearing that. And I think it's important as well that children hear from their parents messages of faith, statements of faith, speaking the word of God in situations of trial, in situations of chaos, in situations of change. Children pick up on little things from their parents all the time. One thing I'm really grateful is for is that when, when my parents became Christians when we were young, they didn't treat us as though we were kids who couldn't learn. In fact, they taught us what they were learning. I have a, a distinct memory. I think I was about five or six years old, in the backseat of the car, my mum driving along the highway, and my mum saying, kids, uh, I just saw a road sign and it said, um, I can't actually remember the, the name of the street, but just say it was Brown Street. And I really feel we're meant to pray for Mr. and Mrs. Brown, who were, were people in our church. Let's pray. And we prayed together as kids. I was only little. I didn't really, but it established something in me that in times of uh, challenge, in, there was a situation the Browns were going through, I think it was, um, or the, the people who we were praying for were going through. And I remember pray, praying for them and praying for their situation and learning uh, that in times of challenge to turn in prayer. And so I think that the example of Ahaz, sorry, of, of Isaiah taking his son is very significant as well as a model for actually navigating challenging times. But we see that that Isaiah goes to Ahaz and he gives this message of having faith and not doubt, having faith and not fear that God is in control and that they can trust God. And in fact, he, he gives a picture of the true situation because for Ahaz, he feels like these two northern neighbor, neighbors who are marching against him, he feels like they are the big threat. And Isaiah says, uh-uh, it's not these guys that are the threat. They're two smoldering stubs of firewood. They're, they're all smoke, but no fire. They're like the big clouds, storms that, that threaten, but nothing happens. It just blows away in, in the wind. Uh, they, there is actually no substance to their threat. And, and Isaiah puts it in perspective. And when we turn to God, we get a perspective of the challenge and the situation that we face. And, and even during this COVID time, it's felt, it felt at times overwhelming. It's felt as though it's taken over our lives and will forever. And, and I think the message is it's a season. It's let's put this in perspective uh, and let's have faith during this time and not fear or doubt. And so Isaiah puts it into perspective that there's no substance to their threat. And instead, he speaks a message of a prophetic message of faith and hope that their threats have no power, that the, the, the situation is short term and gives him the proviso at the end. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. We see because God is the true source of protection. God is the true source of our help. And time and time again in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible, God is described as our protector. God is described as the helper of Israel. He is the one that we can rely on and he will deliver us. He has done it in the past and he will do it again. The other aspect of Isaiah's son being present with him, I think that's significant, is that the son demonstrates 
the posture, the correct posture of faith under fire. In that, the son, Isaiah's little son, goes along with him. He doesn't speak. He, all he does is he stands actively next to his father. And he trusts his father. He's there with his dad. And I think that's the position. He models the, the posture of faith when we're in times of trouble, that we can stand confidently with our Father. As Hillary prayed this morning, we can stand confidently and firmly, knowing our Father has the right words, has the way to navigate the situation, and we can actively stand with him, trusting him and relying on him. And so for Ahaz, this son of Isaiah is a model of, of how to respond during difficult times. But faith is easy to talk about when it's not tested. Faith is easy to discuss when we read it in a book or read it as a theory. But until we're put in those times of pressure, then actually we don't really know. <laughs> we don't know what it's like. Um, our theory gets tested. And it's in the testing and in the action that it proves true. And it's precisely in these times of challenge that faith is needed. So faith isn't just for the times when it's safe or everything's going well, but in the times of conflict and fear and anxiety. And so we see that uh, faith requires an active trust that God's resources are enough, that God's resources will see us through. Unfortunately, Ahaz does not respond in faith. He rejects the message of, of Isaiah. He hardens his heart. And instead, he trusts Assyria. We read in, in 2 Kings chapter 16 that he chose to become uh, subservient to Assyria. In fact, uh, it records how he contacts the king of Assyria and says, please be my savior. I'm your servant. Come and save me. And Assyria marched down, and, and to do that, he had to strip the temple of the gold. And then uh, Assyria marched down and, and destroyed the, the northern kingdom uh, and, and took them into exile, as, uh, in, desecrated uh, Assyria in, in, in a way that was absolutely cruel, that you know, would make the Taliban look like kindergartners. Uh, and so we see that then Ahaz then became subject to Assyria, and he put an Assyrian shrine in the temple. So the very heart of worship in Israel, in, in, in Jerusalem, uh, was an idol. And he led them astray. And it was a dark time. Isaiah chapter 9 talks about how darkness covers the earth. It was a time of uh, spiritual darkness. It was a time when there were a lot of uh, conspiracies. Uh, we see in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 11, uh, in this time of when, when there's total chaos, there's distress in the land and there's all sorts of conspiracies going around. He says, Isaiah says in chapter 8, verse 11, the Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. He said, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one that you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread and he will be your sanctuary. And so we see that uh, the Lord reminds Isaiah to, to not just kind of be caught up in the distress and the anxiety of the time, but actually 
to, to trust God and to look to God and know that God is actually the one uh, who we should be looking to during these times of distress. And this is a situation that Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, was raised in. And Hezekiah is the, the, the king I want us just to, to look very briefly at before we finish. Hezekiah actually was a king, unlike his father, who followed God. So Ahaz rejected God, but his son, Hezekiah, follows God. Hezekiah removes the places of idolatry. He would not serve the king of Assyria. And he prepared for uh, repercussions of that. So by removing the Assyrian shrine was essentially saying he's getting rid of the, the, the domination of the Assyrians, both politically and spiritually. And he knew that the Assyrians would march down uh, to fight them and to, to revenge against them. So he prepares. He does practical things to prepare. So faith isn't just sitting back and not doing anything and waiting for God to deliver us out of a mess we made or a mess our parents made. But we see he's active to do practical things. He um, builds a tunnel because there was no fresh water supply in Jerusalem. He builds a tunnel so they have fresh water. He begins to make alliances, but we see that he oversteps. He's young, he's enthusiastic, uh, but not always wise. And so he began to make alliances with all the other nations that were kind of rebelling against Assyria. And he made in particular, and, and, and there was nothing wrong with alliances. There was nothing wrong with him making smart strategic partnerships. But one thing he does do is make an alliance with Egypt. And he begins to put his trust in Egypt. And actually Isaiah in chapter 30 says, don't trust Egypt. Uh, don't, they're, they're not the ones who are going to deliver you. I am the one who will deliver you. But Hezekiah, unfortunately, begins to stray from uh, trusting in God and staying on the path and begins to look to Egypt as, as the saviour for him and the people. Because it's, it's easy to trust uh, a physical force sometimes, isn't it? It's easier to trust sort of something that's tangible, an army that you can see. And, of course, what happens is the Assyrian army marches down and besieges Jerusalem. So before it was the, the Israelites and the Syrians, this time it's the Assyrians who march down and they, they say to Hezekiah, we are going to destroy you. Sounds similar, doesn't it? And in fact, in Isaiah 36, it's at the very same spot where Isaiah met Ahaz that now the Assyrian commander just releases a, a, a whole array of threats and a whole relay of lies uh, to Hezekiah and his people. The same location, but there's a difference. Because we're going to see that the response of Hezekiah is one of faith. And the commander of the Assyrian army that marches down and has now besieged Jerusalem speaks all sorts of things that are both lies and truth intermingled together. He says, Egypt can't save you. Well, that was true. God had been saying that as well. He said, God has sent us Assyrians to destroy you, to teach you a lesson. That's wrong. And so sometimes in our challenges, there can be a mix of lies and truth, and it's so hard to know what's true or not. And yet uh, Isaiah speaks into this situation because just like Ahaz, Hezekiah also panics. But there's a difference. Hezekiah goes to the temple and he prays. He turns to God in this time of challenge. He realizes that his own resources are inadequate. In, in, in the natural, Jerusalem can't be saved, but he turns to God 
and he prays. And he appeals to God as the one who has the resources to save him. And he puts his trust in God. And he sends for Isaiah. And Isaiah comes to Hezekiah with a message that essentially is almost identical to the same one he gave Ahaz before. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. And Hezekiah chooses to have faith. He puts his faith into action. He puts his faith into action by actively waiting for God's deliverance. Now, he's done a whole lot of practical things, but he, wait, he realizes that's not enough. He needs God's wisdom and God's salvation. He prays, and importantly, he listens to the spirit-led direction. So we can observe, as I mentioned, these three things from faith under fire, that faith is trusting in God, knowing that we know that we know God's needs, God's resources are enough for us. And we see this as well in, in not only in during this time of the kings of, of Israel, but also in the future. So God, uh, we see, oh, are following that the kings of, of, of the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament, God sends his own son. Because we can't be saved on our own. We don't have the resources to be right before God. And so God sent his own son for each one of us that we could know salvation that we could know true life in God. And so faith is trusting in God. Faith is connected to God's missions and God's purposes. When we align our desires with God's desires, then faith we see uh, is, uh, it is something that, that emerges, that faith is uh, we can trust God uh, during this time when we align ourselves with his purposes. Because the purpose of faith isn't to fulfill our own ambition, but to trust in God. And we see thirdly that faith is applied, it's lived. Even waiting for God is an active faith. And that's what Isaiah challenges us and calls us to do. Why don't we pray just as we finish? Lord, we thank you for this story from your word. This, these stories that remind us that you are trustworthy. We can put our faith and trust in you. And I pray, Lord, that it won't just be a story, It'll be real in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to be people who truly trust in you and that in times of challenge, we not only know it, but we're putting it into practice as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.